Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. If you're tuning in for the first time, here's the deal. Every weekday, we're telling the stories of women from around the world and throughout history who you may not know about but definitely should. Each month is themed. This month, we're talking about troublemakers and villains. We're covering stories from across the spectrum, from women who made good trouble, to women who thrived in illicit industries, to villains in the truest sense of the word. All of the women we're covering had a major impact on the societies in which they lived. Women, like men, have played good and bad roles in human history. To gloss over women who we may find less than inspiring is to accept a diminished and inaccurate place in the historical record. Today's episode is about a real villain. If you're listening with young children, you may want to sit this one out. Today we're diving into the dark story of a woman who became one of Italy's first serial killers. Nicknamed the Soapmaker of Correggio, she committed shocking acts of violence and depravity. As a result, her trial in 1946 gripped the country. Let's talk about Leonardo Cianciulli. Leonardo was born in 1893 or 1894. Sources disagree. She grew up in the southern Italian town of Montella. Leonardo had an unhappy childhood. In a memoir she wrote from prison later in life, she described herself as a child as frail and weak. Her parents treated her unkindly, and she attempted suicide twice. As a teenager, Leonardo frequently visited psychics. Two particular readings left her with a grim, foreboding view of her future. One psychic told her that she would have many children, but they would all die young. Another psychic gave her a palm reading. She told Leonardo, In your right hand, I see prison. In your left hand, I see a criminal asylum. These readings proved to be quite accurate. When she was about 21 years old, Leonardo went against her parents' wishes and married a man named Raffaele Pansardi. She believed that her mother cursed their union. Then came the first fulfillment of the psychic's predictions. Over the course of her life, Leonardo was pregnant 17 times. She had three miscarriages and 10 of her children died young. Such an experience would have caused much grief and anxiety. And for Leonardo, that manifested in particular ways. Perhaps fearful of the psychic's prophecy, Leonardo became incredibly protective of the four children who remained. She became paranoid and increasingly superstitious. In 1930, an earthquake hit Lacedonia, where Leonardo and her family were living. Lacedonia was the epicenter, and the disaster killed more than a thousand people and destroyed more than 30 buildings. Leonardo's home was one of them. After the earthquake, Leonardo and her family moved to a northern Italian town called Correggio, where she would go on to run a shop. She was popular around town, and Leonardo's neighbors saw her as a devoted mother. Leonardo was also a local matchmaker and fortune teller, and the townspeople sought out her skills. 
1939, as World War II was just beginning in Europe, Leonardo heard that Giuseppe, her oldest son, was drafted into the army. This led to the fulfillment of the second psychic vision. By some accounts, Leonardo decided that in order to protect her favorite son, she needed to make human sacrifices. One by one, between the years of 1939 and 1940, in exchange for money, she lured older women in and promised them what they most desired. The first was Faustina Setti. Faustina was lonely and in search of a husband. Leonardo convinced her that she'd found just the man for her in another town. Leonardo convinced Faustina to write letters to friends and family, to tell them of Faustina's newfound love, and that Faustina was leaving to live with him. Instead, when Faustina came over to say goodbye to Leonardo, she was served poisoned wine. Leonardo then killed Faustina with an axe, drained her blood, dismembered her, and put her body into a large pot of caustic soda to dispose of it. The story gets even more morbid. Leonardo reportedly used Faustina's blood to bake into cakes, which she served to ladies in town. She wrote in her memoir that she and her son Giuseppe also ate them. Leonardo's second victim was Francesca Suavi. Leonardo promised Francesca a new job at a girls' school in another town. Francesca also wrote letters to let her family know of her big life change. She was then murdered and disposed of in the same manner as Faustina. Finally, Virginia Cacioppo, a former opera singer. Leonardo also tricked her into believing she'd found her a new job outside of Correggio. But Virginia met the same fate as the other two victims. This time, Leonardo used the caustic soda and lime to render Virginia's body into soap and candles as well. Virginia's sister-in-law began to worry and alerted the police. Virginia was last seen walking into Leonardo's house, so the police initially suspected Giuseppe. But upon questioning, Leonardo immediately confessed to the murders protective of her son even then. Leonardo's trial was a national sensation. People were not only shocked by her crimes, but also by the fact that someone of her gender was capable of committing such atrocities. In 1946, Leonardo was convicted and sentenced to 30 years in prison and three years in a criminal asylum. She was in a criminal asylum when she died of a cerebral apoplexy on October 15, 1970. She was 79 years old. All these years later, her crimes still fascinate, and some of her weapons and pots are now at the Criminology Museum in Rome. All month, we're talking about complex women who were villains and troublemakers in their own times. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Poetry has the power to connect our inner universe and the outer world. In just one turn of phrase, 
poetry can anchor us or shift a moment, a day, even a whole life. Join me, Ada Limone, on The Slowdown for a poem and a moment of reflection in one short episode every weekday. Listen to The Slowdown wherever you get your podcasts.